G'day radio and internet. My name is Jake and welcome to another episode of Jake Breaks the News. It was a bit of a quiet week this week, but that doesn't mean there isn't still a whole lot to talk about. We've got Crown Casino, Greg Hunt, and a lot to discuss from around the world. So let's get right into it. And the first thing I want to talk about this week is Sydney's Crown Casino. This week, a probe into Crown dealt a blow to the $2.2 billion Barangaroo project after revealing allegations of bad corporate behavior and recommending the gaming giant have its casino license revoked. The 800-page report by former Supreme Court Judge Commissioner Patricia Bergen deemed Crown not suitable to hold the gaming license at Barangaroo, finding that allegations of money laundering were sufficient for the report to recommend that Crown be stripped of its license to run the new casino in Sydney. Now, I can't break down everything that report said because it's an absolute monster of a thing. More than 750 pages of technical recommendations, background and analysis. But the key finding was that parent company Crown Resorts was not a suitable holder or close associate of the license for Sydney's largest casino. However, it did state that Crown could be granted the license if a number of key changes were made. The six recommendations given were, first, a full and wide-ranging forensic audit of all accounts to ensure no criminal activity is conducted in any way. Second, that major shareholder James Packer cease remote maneuvering, referring to his power to influence company directors despite his absence from the board. Third, a restructure of the Crown board. Fourth, a compliance audit to ensure that changes are carried through. Fifth, that Crown cease dealing with junket operators. And sixth, to create a respectful and cooperative relationship with the authority. This report has been a while in the making after media reports back in 2019 alleged that Crown facilitated money laundering activities at its venues in Melbourne and Perth through Asian high roller junkets. Along with other serious corporate failures and the arrest of employees in China back in 2016, this was enough for reports to find that Crown was not a responsible or suitable license holder for the new multi-billion dollar casino constructed in Sydney. But there is no guarantee that Crown won't be given the license anyway, or that there will be any impact upon its operations already in place in Victoria and Western Australia. New South Wales Customer Service Minister Victor Dominello said that he will consider the recommendations in the report before formally responding, and that recommendations in place are very subjective. It is possible that this could not stand in Crown's way in the slightest. But a big step has now come after James Packer's private company cut ties with the Crown board after the sudden resignations of board members Guy Jalland and Michael Johnston. Many believe that the board being free from Packer's influence will pave the way for it to improve its operations and regain the license. However, not everyone is convinced. Independent MP and anti-gambling campaigner Andrew Wilkie has called upon the Premiers of Victoria and Western Australia to cancel Crown's licenses at their already existent casinos. He said, Surely it's self-evident that Commissioner Bergen's findings mean the company is unfit to continue to operate any casino in Australia. To that end, I call upon the Premiers of Victoria and Western Australia to suspend Crown cas Crown's casino licenses in their jurisdictions and to immediately establish commissions of inquiry to get to the bottom of what is now a genuinely national issue. It is a big blow for New South Wales, however. The Berejiklian government centred a lot of its project to rebuild Sydney's nightlife from its controversial lockout laws around the opening of the new casino in Barangaroo, and questions will now be raised about Crown's future at the venue. The government faces a tough decision on whether to forego the appeal that such a large casino brings to Sydney's nightlife in order to get to the bottom of this inquiry. Naturally, the right thing to do is to cancel Crown's license with immediate effect until it can be proven they operate within the bounds of the law, but it is certainly a setback to Sydney and one that will hurt the Berejiklian government. New South Wales Labor have stated that they will request a hearing with Victor Dominello to establish the path forward and work out what steps need to be taken to protect the community going forward. We're going to take a break here on 106.9 Tune FM. Up next, we have One More Night by Maroon 5.
was one more night by Maroon 5. You're listening to Jake Breaks the News here on 106.9 Tune FM. Moving on now to a story that you didn't hear about. This week you might have missed two separate spacecraft arriving at Mars. The United Arab Emirates Hope spacecraft, launched back in July, performed a successful orbit entry manoeuvre this week, becoming the first of three active missions to uh, reach the red planet and enter orbit. With this accomplishment, the UAE becomes the second country after India to make it to Mars on its maiden attempt. 
The Emirati mission is a, is a scientific mission, sorry, to study the atmosphere and climate of the planet, with the goal of enriching Emirati engineers and increasing human knowledge about the Martian atmosphere. The spacecraft will spend the next two years studying the Martian atmosphere, including day daily and seasonal weather cycles, weather events in the lower atmosphere, and how the weather varies in different regions of the planet, as well as attempting to discover the reason of Mars's loss of hydrogen and oxygen into space. Meanwhile, just one day later, China's Tianwen-1 spacecraft also successfully reached orbit and will attempt to land a rover on the surface in May. If successful, China will be the third country to achieve a soft landing on Mars after the Soviet Union and the United States. We look forward to news and scientific developments from both missions over the course of the years to come. On to our interesting news story, scientists have discovered that Neanderthal genes can change clusters of human brain tissue. Brains are never preserved as fossils, making it practically impossible for scientists to know how modern human brains differ from our prehistoric ancestors. But scientists at the University of California in San Diego have come up with a new way to answer this question. They created pieces of brain tissue genetically modified to carry a gene that belonged to Neanderthals, but not Homo sapiens. The research is still at a very early stage, but they've already found that introducing this gene made significant changes to how the brain is organized and wired. Professor and director of the stem cell program at UC San Diego, Alison Mawotri, said, the question here is what makes us human? Why are our brains so different from other species, including our own extinct relatives? When you find a piece of bone or charcoal and you try to reconstruct how that society lived, what they were doing, how they connected with each other, you try to understand the mind. mind. We are doing the same at the genetic level. The revolutionary combination of cutting-edge scientific methods will hopefully give us better insight into how our human ancestors evolved and how they lived. Moving on to our good news story, a man has rescued an elk after it was buried by an avalanche in Canada. The elk had only a nostril and one eye peeking out of the snow after being hit by an avalanche triggered by railroad crews using explosives near the town of Field in British Columbia. The man witnessed the elk being hit by the wave of snow and enlisted the help of a friend to drive over to see if the creature had survived. Miraculously, they found the elk alive but immobilized by the weight of the snow it had been buried under. Together with their hands and shovels, it took the two just 15 minutes to dig the elk's hind legs free so that it could shake its way clear and escape from the snow itself. In a fittingly beautiful ending to the situation, apparently the elk didn't immediately take flight, but calmly stood by gazing at its rescuers as they left the scene as if to say a silent thank you what a good deed and in weird news we all know how americans love and idolize their presidents but this auction might be taking things a step too far items for sale at an upcoming auction to celebrate president's day include john f kennedy's harvard sweater the pen that warren harding used to end u.s involvement in world war one and even a lock of George Washington's hair. Other items include Andrew Johnson's order for a national day of mourning after the death of Abraham Lincoln, and documents signed by almost every other president you can think of. But the lock of hair from Washington is drawing particular attention for being just a little on the strange side. Apparently, it's not the first time that a lock of hair from a beloved president has gone up for auction. Clippings of Abraham Lincoln's hair wrapped in a bloodstained telegram about his assassination went up for auction last year, selling to an anonymous buyer for 81000 it's a bit of a quirky auction, but is expected to raise a significant sum of money. I'm curious if a lock of Donald Trump's hair might be high on the agenda for future auctions. We're going to be right back here on 106.9 Tune FM. When we come back, we'll go to our second major story. This is Into the Mystic by Van Morrison.
Where the bonnie boat was one As we sailed into the mystic The singers cry Smell the sea And feel the sky Let your soul And spirit fly Into the mystic And where that foghorn blows I will be coming home Yeah, when the foghorn blows, I wanna hear it. I don't have the fear that I wanna rock your gypsy soul. Just like way back in the days of old. Yeah, magnificently we will fold into the mystic. You know I will be coming home Yeah, when that foghorn whistle blows I gotta hear it I don't have to fear it And I wanna rock your gypsy soul Just like way back in the days of old And together we will float Come on, girl. was Into the Mystic by Van Morrison. You're listening to Jake Breaks the News here on 106.9 Tune FM. On to our second major story, and Health Minister Greg Hunt has gotten into a fiery spat on live television with the ABC's Michael Rowland over a vaccine announcement that breached laws by using the Liberal Party logo instead of the Australian government's. Hunt got defensive and lashed out at the presenter's motives after Rowland questioned why the party's logo was used on an announcement that Australia had secured an additional 10 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine. Now, this doesn't sound like a huge deal, but it's actually a breach of the law. And many on social media have now pointed out that both the Liberal and National Party have been guilty of this breach many times over their period in government over the last seven years. 
According to the Department of the Prime Minister and Cabinet, the Australian government enacted legislation in June 2003 stating that common branding would apply to all Australian government departments and agencies. A common, easily recognisable brand was developed to ensure clear and consistent branding across departments and agencies, and all departments are required to comply with the branding policy unless an exemption has been granted. And even in the case of those exemptions, the Commonwealth Code of Arms must be used with the name of the agency and or a unique logo in place of the words Australian Government. But Hunt responded to Rowland's questions with hostility, accusing him of aligning with the left and having political motivations behind the questions. He said, I know you have strong views. We predicted that you seem to be the most exercised of any person in the Australian media about this. I know this is an issue for you. In many ways, you identify with the left. Hunt defended his choice of logo, saying, I'm a very proud member of that party with a great heritage and tradition in Australia, and that's part of the Australian democratic process. Meanwhile, social media has responded by saying in the words of Twitter user The Angry Goddess, Liberal Party want their logo on everything? Okay, let's give it to them. Spreading hundreds of anti-liberal memes with the party's logo on images of their perceived failures, including the Ruby Princess, the National Debt, last year's bushfires and the Centrelink's robo-debt. Roland, meanwhile, responded in a tweet saying he doesn't identify with the left and that my job as an ABC journalist is to hold all sides of politics to account as I was this morning. He maintained that the question to Mr. Hunt was a simple one. And yeah, it was. Roland only asked Hunt why they had chosen to use the Liberal logo over the official Australian government branding, a question which is very simple and does not warrant attack. The only reason why Hunt could have been bristled by this question is if there was dishonest intent behind the use of the logo. And I think any use of a government announcement to advocate for a party is incredibly dishonest. It reeks of electioneering as speculation continues that Scott Morrison may call an election as early as this year, and it is in breach of government protocol. All we can say is keep the memes coming and hopefully the next announcement we receive will come from our government and not a particular political party. And with that, we will leave this episode of Jake Breaks the News. Don't forget to like us on YouTube and follow us on Spotify. And I will catch you all next week.